percent overall from the field, but he was also fifty percent from three. He's five to ten. I know you're out there. It's okay. Stand back there. <laughs> no, more than likely you're gonna get that number one seed, and so I want he's to be ranked in the number one. Eight. Hey, hey, it's Andy Anas. We are off the heels of yet another Houston Cougars men's basketball game. This time, number two ranked Houston ranked both in the Associated Press and USA Today's coaches poll. And I guess if you look at the NCAA tournament committee, number two overall in general in the country, the Houston Cougars defeated a shorthanded Memphis Tigers team on Sunday afternoon inside the Fertitta Center. Houston came out with 72 to 64 victory. They were led by two players, beginning with junior forward Jawan Roberts, who had a career high 20 points. He also had 12 rebounds to secure the double-double on Marcus Sasser. He had 20 points, and junior guard Jamal Shedd also got into double-figure scoring-wise with 10 points of his own. Joining me, as always, Dayon Dunlap, Chris uh, Gardner. You, it, <laughs> funny, your, head, your, your screen just popped up in the middle of the intro, but how are you two doing? Before we jump into and dissect Houston's latest victory, they're now 25-2 and two overall, 13-1 and one against American Athletic Conference opponents. I'm doing great, man. How you guys doing? All is well, man. All is well. So let's get right into it. And I think we look top to bottom, obviously. We look at where Houston is at now, like I mentioned, 13-1 and against the American Athletic Conference. Big game for Jawan Roberts. But I think when you look, at least looking at the stat sheet, the biggest thing that stands out, it's got to be the free throws, free throw shooting, free throw shooting, free throw shooting. And in particular, how Houston was able to ice the game, this game ended up drawing out and going long because there were so many fouls called in particular in the second half. And give the Cougars credit for something that's kind of been maybe a potential Achilles heel for this team. It didn't look like it tonight. They went 23 of 26 from the free throw line. Something that Marcus Sasser pointed out post game was, you know, John Roberts went eight of nine from the free throw line. Uh, Marcus Sasser went eight of eight. Javier Francis had went two for three. Reggie Chaney went two for two. So top to bottom. Chris, we talked about it on the last episode. It depends who shoots the free throws. It didn't matter who shot free throws today. It looked like they were all going in for the Cougars. And salute to Reggie Chaney because that's <laughs> less Reggie Chaney. I said, if he goes to the line, you expect him to miss both of them. Well, he made both of them today. And Andy and I kind of joked in the first half. I think when Javier made his free throws, we're like, this game is over. <laughs> you know? So, but. They made free throws, so I forgot who the viewer was, the fan was, uh, who chimed in on last show. Do they work on free throws? What do they, they work on in practice? Fundamentals, whatever. Well, 23 or 26 today, so they do work on it. It just happens. You know, you miss them, you make them. Depends on who's shooting them. But Juwan Roberts set a tone. He made it to the free throw line at the day, today. He kind of had some bobbled hands a few times and missed some passes, but uh, – he had a good game. Overall, it's a win, you know, and I'm not going to dissect it over an eight-point win with Saki today, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. It's a win, period. Yeah, rebound. I mean, um, uh, free throws like you guys were talking about, but to me it was just the pressure of the defense and their inability to handle the pressure and also to take also to take care of the basketball. I mean, Houston just forced turnover after turnover after turnover, especially in that first half. And um, I think their defense really was the difference today. And I'm gonna be I'm gonna be factual, but petty and messy. Anybody who chimes in for Memphis fans or whatever, you know, well, y'all would have won this game if Kendrick would have played. But y'all didn't say these same things last year when Marcus Sass and Jamar Mark didn't play. Y'all didn't say these same things when Memphis beat Houston twice. So which is it? Does it make a difference or it doesn't make a difference? The Cougs won today. Memphis played well. We knew they played well. It's a rivalry game. We knew they'd be hyped up. They'd be focused, fired up, all those things. Houston won the game. Andy, I think Kelvin Sampson says it often, but he getting said today post-game. This isn't a beauty contest. They don't ask mm-hmm. you how it looked if you won the game. Did you win? Yes. Okay. On to the next. Right, and I think the biggest thing with this this game, like you said, it's not a beauty contest, something that Calvin Sampson said after the game and his post-game availability. You know, when you look at it, it's probably not the best game for either of these two teams. But at the end of the day, a win is a win. Now, Houston, like I said, this is the 25th win of the season. And I think, Dan, like you pointed out, the defense this is something with Chris. It seemed like from 
for the majority of the game, maybe had some lapses here and there, but Houston was just swarming defensively and, and give credit. There were many multiple players that were giving impacts, and we're, we're going to talk about it later in the show, but name it, top to bottom, Terrence Arsenal, Javier Francis, Reggie Change, Juwan Roberts, Marcus Asset, Tremont Mark, Jamal Shedd, they all seem to have plays defensively against Memphis and credit to Houston Dolphins too. It seemed like they were playing at a faster pace for stretches during this game and I think that might be a big reason why they got DeAndre Williams into foul trouble and ultimately why he fouled out. They were constantly attacking Memphis and their defense and they capitalized on it. Yeah, this is the second game in a row where Houston has had a stretch where they made five or more consecutive shots and that's huge for them. And like you said, the key to that is getting out in transition and pushing the pace to just allow um, their guy given ability and their basketball IQ to take over, whether it's Jamal penetrating, getting all the way inside to the defense or penetrating, kicking, or whomever it is making a right play, but not going against a set defense because Memphis has a really good defense and athleticism and length to disrupt Houston in the half court. But Houston, um, when they have those stretches like that, when they're making consecutive shots like they had in back-to-back games, I think that's what um, Jamal was talking about And when they haven't had a stretch where everyone is kind of playing really good to, um, collectively together. And I think they're, they're doing that and they're um, getting better on the offensive end in that manner. And they did not shoot well from the three-point line today, three for 17. Most of them were good shots. You know, Emmanuel had shots rim out. Four for four from three, one for seven from the floor were all for him. Jarrett didn't shoot well from the perimeter, but they still find a way to win. I mean, today, they did not shoot well from three, but they did a great job from the free throw line. Good teams find ways to win. We're not playing your A game. That's what it's all about. If I could add on to your point, Chris, just in terms of, again, Kelvin said if if they were just looking purely at kind of how Houston was running its offense and the shots they were getting, he would have said they were, it looked like a pretty good offense. They just weren't falling in during stretches at times. So absolutely, Chris, add on to your point about just good teams find a way to win. And the good quote that Kelvin Sampson gave after this game about his team, about the makeup of the team, and this is a direct quote from Kelvin, he said, the makeup of this team is winners. These kids know how to win. And, I mean, it's, it's time-tested. I mean, we're 27 games in. They've lost two games. They know how to close it out, and they know how to win in more ways than one. Like you said, today it was the free-throw line and a different game. It could be from three-point line. It's a different style. It's it, There's not necessarily a specific script that the Houston Cougars need to, a formula that the Houston Cougars need to have for them to be able to win games. You know, you'll, you'll always hear it with some teams like, oh, they have to be able to hold opponents to this certain amount. It seems like Houston can kind of handle through adversity. Another word that kind of was thrown around during today's post-game availability and, and find a way to win. And I'm looking at, again, in this game, Houston only had 10 assists as a team. They made 23 field goals. Maybe not necessarily as high in some other games where Houston has many more assists compared to, to their field goals. But they still, like I said, kind of not to sound like a broken record, but they figured out a way to come out with a victory. I think both teams were less into uh, ball movement for assists and more into one-on-one, see if they could beat their man off the dribble kind of things. And that resulted in more fouls, more trips to the free throw line for, for both teams. So it was a different way to win. I mean, heck, the Cougs down the stretch – Coach Sampson acknowledged it. He went to zone for a couple of possessions because they were having problems, you know, how the rest of the calling game tighter in the second half. And Memphis just went dribble. They just went dribble drive. And they got Jamal in foul trouble. Jamal got into foul trouble. So that was Memphis's way to score was that way. But, hey, Memphis played well. They did not play a great game without their best player. But we did not expect them to roll over and just say, oh, well, Kendrick's not here. Forget it. We're not even going to try today. Give Penny and his players credit. The Cougs won. The Cougs led the game for 37 minutes. 37 minutes. And they, they won by eight. They didn't cover a line. When my buddy told me the spread was like 14 and a half, which I thought was too high. Eight point win. Next. Real quickly, uh, to add on to Chris, that on ESPN, whenever it shows the Sports Center graphics and they shows the score at the bottom, it was, I think it was like a 14 and a half point line around that mark. And when I saw that, I said, oh man, I wish I was in Vegas. I would have go bet the under because these games always seem to come down to the wire, regardless yeah. of who's playing. So I don't know. It's just one of those true rivalry games in the American Athletic Conference. 
But Andy, this I conference did. is not very good. So who, I mean, what, I mean, this this conference is full of bad teams. Oh, don't even so, I mean, you know, why why even bother playing these games? Well, Houston's going to play another team in the American Athletic Conference on Wednesday called Tulane that's similar to Memphis. They also have 10 wins. They're actually a team that swept the Memphis Tigers, like we mentioned in our last Let's Rage Cooks postgame show. But Chris, on the topic of what would happen if Kendrick Davis play, hey, that's exactly what Rusty Reed said. Another sloppy home game against an inferior opponent. Cougs lose that game if a healthy Kendrick had played. Jawan saved that game. Jawan Roberts. And we'll, we'll get more about Jawan Roberts as well. But, Chris, I'll let you take that comment and just your initial thoughts. But, you know, I want Dan to chime in as well. Kendrick did not play. We saw him pregame shooting around. And many of us thought he was going to play, at least try to play. So when the big riders put out from Memphis that he was not in the starting lineup and was not going to play, we were surprised. You know, it was Kendrick's last game in front of his home, friends and family. So Penny opted to not play him. So, hey, he did not play. His teammates stepped up in his absence. If he plays in two weeks, Emmanuel Sharp might go five for five from three. Then what? Coos win by 10. Then what? I mean, whatever. If this, that, and the other, whatever. Today, Memphis scored 64 points. The Coos scored 72. Yeah, watching that game, you can't help but think, though, the impact that he would have had um, against Memphis because what Houston, what um, Memphis struggled with was just taking care of the basketball. And what Kendrick is able to do is able to settle down their team and get them in their sets. And so Houston did a great job of pressuring them, knowing that they didn't have um, their point guard, someone who could not only just settle down the pace, but can score at an elite level as well. And Alex Lomax, you could tell he was, was in rhythm. He was rusty. And so he has that ability to kind of control the game from a point guard perspective, but he just didn't look in rhythm. You could tell he hadn't played in X amount of games. And so um, from just being objective about the game, Houston definitely benefited from Kendrick Davis not being there. I wouldn't go out and say they wouldn't have won the game because it would have been – they would have guarded Memphis differently and maybe some of the other players don't have different games. So it would have been a totally different game. But I, I can definitely watch that game and say that Memphis um, – missed him because things that they struggle with, he would have aided them in there, specifically just taking care of the basketball, not turning over, handling the pressure um, better because he's really a one-man press break. You can give him the ball to everybody else, get out of the way, and he can take care of the ball like that. And not only that, he can just give you unscripted buckets. And so they definitely missed him and um, for sure. Sure, no question. Kid is one of the best players in the conference. Sure, they missed him. But he's played some game this year when he's had five – Six turnovers. And Memphis has had 18, 19, 20 turnovers in those games as well. But today, we can't say that Memphis would have won the game if Katie would have played. He didn't play. We don't know about all these ifs. Today, Houston did what they had to do to win. Period. And come tournament time, what are we going, what are we going to hear from, the, from an opponent like that the Coos play? Now we're getting into the, well, you know, Houston – they hadn't played anybody with a top-seeded team, or if so-and-so wouldn't have played this game, they advanced to the Elite Eight. Well, they haven't played a top team because of all the upsets, blah, blah, blah. Folks, tournament time. You play who your opponent is that day. You win, you move on. You don't, your season's over. Well, we're going to be moving on from this segment as more fans trickle in. Watching live on the Houston Rombar Review YouTube channel, we'd like to remind you guys that this is Let's Rage Cooks presented by the Saxonian family. The Saxonian family is the primary sponsor of Let's Rage Cooks for the remainder of the regular season and heading into the American Athletic Conference postseason tournament, which three weeks from now will be American Athletic Conference championship game day for the men's basketball tournament also be selection Sunday we might get into that aspect as well later on in the show but until then of course I'd like to thank our other partners for this episode of Let's Rage Cook starting with Star Pizza Star Pizza is Houston's best pizza since 1976 with multiple locations across the Houston area be sure to make Star Pizza a stop on your way home be sure to visit them online at starpizza.net not only can you check out their menu, but you can also order online. So you can just stop and go at any of the Star Pizza locations. Of course, our other partner for today's episode of Let's Reach Cougs, H-O-U-N-I-L. Here's a message from Javier Francis and H-O-U-N-I-L. Hi, my name is Javier Francis, and I'm partnering with H-O-U-N-I-L. 
Hey, we need the fans to go to hounil.com to subscribe to our player credit content. Supporting Cougar basketball helps its players stay among the top teams in the country. Once again, that's hounil.com to subscribe. Thank you, and go Cougs. So once again, special thanks to H-O-U-N-I-L and Javier Francis for that message and being a sponsor on today's episode of Let's Rage Cougs. So on the other side of this break, let's hear what Houston head coach Kelvin Sampson has to say, as well as Juwan Roberts, who we'll get into on the other side of this clip. But Juwan Roberts had a monster game. Like I said, a new career high when it comes to points, 20 points. Also had 12 rebounds, which has become the norm for him, being the leading rebounder for Houston. Here's what they had to say following Houston's 72-64 to victory over the Memphis Tigers. Sort of help set you know, the mood while you, know, you guys were able to start getting things going offensively. Yeah, I think our offense and our defense was kind of – um, contrasting patterns. Um, if you look at our shots that we were getting, say you guys are running great offense, but that proves a uh, simple point. Um, ball, ball only, scoreboard only uh, turns if the ball goes in. And we had a lot of good looks. Uh, Marcus Emanuel that could have I don't know if break, break it open is the right word, but extend it. Uh, we missed an open three. They'd go down there and drive it, get to the free throw line. But that's um, what Alabama did to us. You know, we guarded them um, for about 30 minutes, and then the last 10 minutes, they just spread the floor and drove it on us. Um, so you know, I went, went zone a couple of possessions, and... That's them to tie, but uh, we, we got to get better at uh, um, being organized in the right spots when teams are only going to drive it. Um, but the McCadden kid was good at that. Memphis you know, <coughs> is a good team. They, and Penny's done a uh, nice job there um, over the years. And, uh, two good teams, two tough teams. I don't know that. Um, I don't know that that was our best game, but I don't know that that was theirs either. Just, just two tough teams. Here's James here in the middle. Yeah, obviously, Jawan, um, just Memphis cuts it to four pretty quick in that second half. Just take us through what went what went down there and how y'all were able to you know, sort of hold them off, prevent it from getting any closer. Um, I just feel like they just went on a good run. Basketball is a game of runs, so I just feel like we just had to keep our composure. I feel like that was adversity, you know, during the game. I feel like we just did a good job staying composed and um, handling their run and then coming back and then getting, them, getting our run. So, um, Same thing, like you said, <coughs> just, um, just staying together. Um, don't go away from the group. You know, continue to do what we're doing. Um, stick to our culture. And, you know, it's a, it's a game of runs. You know, they're going to run, we're going to run. And um, just kept our composure, like you said, and extended the lead. Calvin, did you see something in the matchup that you thought you could get Juwan good shots, and what did his aggressiveness, you know, mean for you guys? Yeah, for two things. One is um, sometimes to get J1 going, I, I call his number a lot. Uh, J1's a really, really good basketball player. I mean, he's very, very, he's a very good player. Um, <coughs> but you know, it's such a long season. We played so many games that there's going to be ups and downs with all these kids um, because they play great and they're going as usually a side they're probably not going to play great the next one and if they play poorly they're not going to play poorly the next one there's going to be a lot of uh, ups and downs um, but effort can't be ups can't be ups and downs with effort um, you know, how hard you play how hard you uh, compete um, and that's that's something that we've tried to uh, hang our our hat on. Um, you know, I don't want our kids thinking, you know, playing good equates to how many points I score, how many shots I get, or, um, you know, am I hot tonight? Uh, it's, it's, it's hard to play great every night doing that. But good teams, good teams, uh, they defend, uh, they rebound, and they uh, play unselfish. Um, you know, Memphis puts an inordinate amount of uh, pressure. You know, for most of the nights we had single-digit turnovers. 
think we wound up with Part 11. Um, but the, um, the, the makeup of this team is, is um, winners. These, these kids know how to win. Um, Marcus is, you know, since his freshman year, uh, Jamal, I mean, he backed up Dejan on the final 14, and he's a starting point guard on lead 18, and now look at him. I mean, that's what these kids do. They, they, they win. They look great every night. I didn't. I never thought it was a beauty contest. Last time I checked, they don't. You don't put an asterisk beside anything. Just go win the game. So once again, that was Houston Cougars head coach Kelvin Sampson, along with Marcus Sass and Jawan Roberts, that you heard in that clip. Now, I'll day on Chris. I'll toss it over to anyone who wants to dissect first. But to me, that stood out specifically about Jawan Roberts, who I kind of want to focus on in this segment, is how Kelvin said. One, he shouted out how offensively, well, not offensively, overall as a basketball talent, how skilled Jawan Roberts is. But from an offensive perspective, to get him going, he calls specific plays to get him touches and be able to get into a rhythm in the game. That's what stood out to me from Kelvin's, from that clip in particular about Kelvin Sams. Yeah, that, uh, also stood out to me as well what he said about J1 is, just his ability um, to play within himself as well as knowing that every game that you're not going to have, well, him saying that he don't want his kids to equate having hot, being hot or scoring a lot to having good games. Cause it's not often. And I have a factual, it was his first 24 game of his career, but he still often has good games without scoring that large amount of points. And so he's one of those players on any given night is going to impact winning and have a good game. And so, uh, I mean, I, I like the unselfishness, like you talked about. They were unselfish. They didn't have a high number of assists, but they still played unselfish basketball, moving the basketball, and just playing for one another. I think that's one thing that go, goes unspoken on how unselfish each individual is on this team. And on any given night, like you said, just because you have a good game tonight, more, more than likely you're going to have a bad game the next one. Or if you don't have a, a good game today, you're going to have a good one the next one. And I think that bolts to the unselfishness because they're just aware on any given night how many different players can have good shooting games. And so I think Houston can just beat you in a, in a number of different ways. And I love the different defenses that they've shown throughout this entire season. I think this is one of the few seasons that I could remember that they've shown different defensive looks. And they all played all of them well. And Coach touched on it, Dayon, in postgame. He, he mentioned that this team is – he wants his players to be selfless. And and they are. You know, Juan had the most shot attempts today. He took 10. Marcus had nine. So it, it was balanced shot attempts throughout the lineup. Some guys who Houston probably relies on for scoring, their shots didn't fall today, like Emmanuel Sharp, Jairus. But they still found a way to win. Was it perfect? No. Was it their A game? No. But the other team has something to do with that as well. So keep that in mind going forward. The Cougs may shoot lights out from three on Wednesday and, and beat Tulane by a lot. Well, they didn't do that today. They were three for 17 from three. But how many of us would have predicted the Cougs would have gone 23 of 26 from the foul line today? They did that today and they won. <laughs> kind of the the inverse of that Temple game. The Houston Cougars obviously on the positive side of it in this outing. But again, sticking with Roberts, Dan, like you mentioned about, you know, this career high, 20 points, the first time he's done it in his collegiate career. But something that, and even going back to like I, I alluded to earlier in the show about Terrence Arsenal, where Marcus Sasser and Kelvin Sampson, they shouted out him in particular for the defense that he brought. And then Marcus said that he, he impacted winning today. And then he said he was proud of him, which... To me, again, that's you heard in that clip from Kelvin Sampson where they don't want their students, their their players to equate having a good game with having a certain amount of points. And it's time time and time again that Kelvin says after games or even after practices, he couldn't care less about how many points his players score. It's all about what else they do when they don't have the ball in their hands. For Jawan Roberts, yeah, what's going to be the the eye grabber is those 20 points. But again, he's consistently become a double-digit rebounder. He's starting to get to a point where if he doesn't get at least eight or nine rebounds, there's something wrong with uh, what Roberts went out there and did. But, I mean, that hasn't really been a problem over the last couple of days, last couple of games. 
Yeah, we live in an analytic era right now where a lot of people focus on points and, and shot attempts. And yeah, um, you go to YouTube, people are looking at highlights. People don't even watch games anymore. They just watch highlights and, and look at the stat sheets. And so I think also that plays into the outside noise. I mean, this is a different time from Coach Simpson. He's been coaching a long time. And this is a different generation than what he coached in previous years where – it's in the age of social media where they where they're looking and they have people who have direct um, ability to contact them and say whether it's Twitter, whether it's whatever the case may be, and, and say whatever it is, and, and it could be used as a distraction or it could be used as whatever. And so it's just a, a different age and a different time. And I think Coach Simpson is aware of that. And he's still maneuvering on how to reach these young men and how to keep them grounded and, and focus on the task at hand to be selfless and, and to be an unselfish team to get to the goals and where they want to go. Well put, Dayon. And, and that's what this is all about. Winning the game. Okay. We would be, fans would be freaking out if the Houston would have lost today. I can't believe they lost Memphis without Kendra Davis. Oh, my gosh. What is wrong with this team? This team is a fraud. Number one, hot. They're not number one. Oh, no. No, they're not. But now we got fans saying, well, you know, if Kendra would have played, I can't imagine what would have happened if he would have played today. He didn't. And Houston won the game by eight. They did what they were supposed to do to win today. Tomorrow. Wednesday matchup, completely different. Two weeks from now, could be a different matchup, different circumstances. Guys, think about this. And I know Coach Sams would hate me doing this. But Andy, Dan, correct me if I'm wrong. If Houston wins Wednesday and Saturday, they clinch the regular season title. If they win, uh, I'm not sure about Wednesday. Saturday. So two lanes, 10 and three. And... Let me, Tulane, I'm not sure if Tulane plays the game. They'd be up three games over Tulane and they got the head to head. If they beat Tulane, mm-hmm. then they win Wednesday, they'd be what? 15, what are they now? 15 and one? So they'd have two games. They are, they're 13 and one in conference now. They'd be 14 right. and one if they beat Tulane. If they, they if Tulane loses, Saturday, that'd be 10 and four. They'd be 15 so they'd and one. Be, so three games up, two games to go. If they win Saturday, they for sure clinch. I think they might even be able to clinch Saturday because then that would be a four-game cushion. I think some of it would depend on Memphis too. But, yeah, if they if they take care of business for this upcoming week against Green Wave and against East Carolina, will have clinched the conference title, the regular season conference title. Once again, I think they did it. They did it last season when they clinched a conference title before March even starts. So, yeah. So, if they're up, if they – ifs, I'm not, you know – Shame on me for doing this, but just thinking ahead. They win Wednesday, win Saturday, they'd be 15 and 1 in conference play. I think everybody else would have at least four losses. Only two games left for Houston. They couldn't be caught. Because most they would mm-hmm. could be with 15 and 3. Everybody else, the best they could be, be 14 and 4. So let's keep that in perspective. All the hype, all these things talking about. They have a chance to wrap up the regular season title with two games to go. Be happy about that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Be happy about that. Be proud of that. There were times five, six, seven years ago, first Kevin Sampson's first year here. Man, I'm not sure how long it's going to take Coach Sam to get this program turned around. My goodness. Mm-hmm. 7,730 today, Andy Wright. New record for Cheetah Center record? A new for Cheetah Center record, 7,730. The most people that have ever filed into the Fertitas Center, which actually beats the record that was set this season, which came on December, earlier this year in December when Houston played Alabama, that record of 7,718. So they found a way to pack 12 more people into today's matchup against Memphis. And you could tell you could tell from the beginning of the game that the the atmosphere was electric. And I believe it was Javier Francis's block where he I can't remember what Memphis player it was, but he just erased a, a layup attempt that they tried, and he ended up coming down the other end. And Jamal Shad gave him a perfect pass. He wasn't able to, to finish the first one, but he got fouled and ended up having an end one on that mm-hmm. same play when he got the rebound. But just plays like that, absolutely, it was an, another electric crowd, which for something. From not just men's basketball specifically, but just Houston Cougars overall when it comes to the fan base. It's been it's been a big question mark. And for the most part this season, they've fans have done a good job at showing up and supporting 
this in particular team, which I mean that that haven't really been given a reason not to, considering they've been top five the entire year. And I want to say this: uh, Dan Gavitt, VP of Basketball Committee, was at the game today. Um, he's in town. I think they're doing some planning meetings, prepping for the selections committee, all those things as well. Obviously, the Final Four will be in Houston. I spoke to him a little bit at halftime. He just he was bragging about the atmosphere inside the building. Damn, Andy, y'all remember a few years ago, there was no atmosphere. <laughs> okay, it was nothing. It was just dim, blah, uh. But now people see what's going on inside the building. Let's enjoy what we're seeing here, folks. This, this team has a, he said it again post-game, Andy, this team has a chance to win the national championship. Not saying they're going to, but they have a chance to do that. Coach Sam said they're one of 20 teams that have a chance to do that. Think about that this year and where this program was nine years ago. Enjoy this, folks. Stop being, is this nitpicking this and that? Folks, enjoy the ride. Because you never know how long it will last. But we'll put a pin on it because for those of you that have trickled in, I'd like to remind everybody that this is Let's Rage Cooks presented by the Saxonian family. Whether you're watching us live, streaming live on the Houston Round Ball Review YouTube channel or checking us out audio only wherever you get pods, Lime Jamma, whether that may be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, we thank you for making us a part of your day whenever you may be listening to this. Of course, we'd also like to say thank you to our other partners for today's episode of Let's Rage Cougs. Starting with Star Pizza with multiple locations across the Houston area. Star Pizza is Houston's best pizza since 1976. Be sure to visit them online at starpizza.net where not only you can check out where those three locations are, but also their online menu and even order ahead. So you can just stop and go at any location that you choose. And of course, also H-O-U-N-I-L. Once again, we'll send it over to Javier Francis for one message about H-O-U-N-I-L. Hi, my name is Javier Francis, and I'm partnering with H-O-U-N-I-L. Hey, we need the fans to go to H-O-U-N-I-L.com to subscribe to our player credit content. Supporting Cougar basketball helps its players stay among the top teams in the country. Once again, that's H-O-U-N-I-L.com to subscribe. Thank you, and go Cougs. Once again, thanks, Javier Francis, for the message about H-O-U-N-I-L. And real quickly, before we segue into our next segment, it's time for our own sponsorship plug and ad. And that's with the Let's Rage Cougs shop. We officially have official Let's Rage Cougs merchandise coming in two different lines. So the Let's Rage line or the There Will Be Rage line both come in a, a T-shirt and or hoodie form whichever you like to prefer because we all know that everyone enjoys hoodie weather regardless of what type of season it may be here in the city of Houston but it comes in various different colors that you can choose from once again there are two different lines whether it be let's rage or there will be rage and it wasn't much rage on today's show but sure down the line the unofficial Houston postgame show of football and men's basketball and just getting started we we kind of spoke it into existence here it is. So if you are interested in buying some Let's Rage Coops merch, be sure to check it out at bonfire.com slash store slash Let's Rage Coops shop. And of course, we'd like to thank all of you guys that wanted merch and supported and have already supported us and have who may have already bought your Let's Rage Coops merch. For those of you that might be heading to the American Athletic Conference postseason tournament or heck, even heading into the spring, just rock your Let's Rage Cougs merch. We love to see it. Tag us on social media. We love to see it. Chris, Dan, you guys have any additional message you'd like to add before we uh, move on to our, our next segment? I, I do. I want to mention this to Dayon. Dayon, I was coming, walking into the building, had a fan yell out to me, Let's Rage! <laughs> So we appreciate everybody. We're becoming recognized, folks. That yeah. is cool, man, for people to know who we are and recognize who are fans of the show. So mm-hmm. that, that, that feels, really, feels really good. I love it, man. I love it. Love to hear it. 
no, absolutely. We, we, we would, this wouldn't be possible without people like you, wherever you may be watching or listening without you guys, if there was no interest in it, you wouldn't be doing a less rich kook. So it's awesome. Chris, like you said, it hasn't just been today. It's been really almost every game where at least there's, there's one, multiple people usually that say let's rage or there will be rage along those lines, which is pretty awesome because it's something that, that we created. Uh, really, it started around this time last year during the American Athletic Conference t- tournament run. So we're, I guess we're kind of nearing the anniversary of Let's Rage. Cool to celebrate that once we get into the American Athletic Conference posting tournament. I hadn't even thought of that. But segueing into our next segment here on Let's Rage Cooks, we actually have an exclusive clip of head coach Penny Hardaway, who I thank him because I, I, I he gave me a time of day to ask two questions after he had done the radio show. So here's what Penny Hardaway had to say after the game, uh, following Houston's 72 to 64 victory over. So obviously towards the end of the game, you guys were able to make a run to cut it to five. You had a couple of opportunities to get it to within three. How do you feel the game ultimately shook up for you guys? Uh, well, obviously we were just wanting the chance to win the game at the end, you know, especially the, as bad as the first half that we played. And be able to fight back and have an opportunity, that's all you want. We just didn't capitalize. What are your thoughts overall on Houston? It really seemed at moments their defense was really swarming. Uh, what kind of struggles did you get? Oh, yeah, I'm there? used to them. They're, they're a great um, team. Their culture is unbelievable. You know, they play hard every possession, and everything that they're getting, they deserve. I mean, you're going to beat them. You have to beat them. They don't beat themselves. Thank you. So once again, Penny Hardaway, who gave me two questions, and I am thankful for the time because he didn't have to do anything. But, of course, shouting out the, the Houston culture. That's something that you hear a lot from opposing head coaches when they talk about the Houston Cougars. And something that leading into this game, something Marcus Sasser and Jawan Roberts both said on Friday after their practice, they – called this game a culture game. It was going to be a battle of Houston's culture versus Memphis's culture. And again, it, again, it's not kind of surprising where regardless of who was on the floor for the Tigers, even though Kendrick Davis was out, this game ended up being kind of up in the air with two minutes left. I think they had a chance, the Memphis had a chance to cut it to three with under two minutes left and they just couldn't convert. I know he created Houston culture, but what you just mentioned, you have to credit Memphis's culture because that bowls into the well how they come out. They came out and they competed. I mean, no excuses. They put their best foot forward and they played hard. And I, I think I'm um, sure he he's learned some of that from Coach Sampson and playing Houston is is going to take the ability to compete for a full 40 minutes and playing hard regardless of what the situation is. If you're down your best player, your best two or three players like Houston um, last year. And so, I mean, you got to give credit to um, Memphis. And and I think um, during the broadcast, they mentioned how Coach Penny wanted to kind of get away from having so much young talent, wanting to have some veterans with an experience and still speaking in a little young talent with that. And I think Coach Sampson talks about it a lot. I mean, he, he's been able to develop talent, but he's done that because he has players who have wanted to stay in the program and develop in the program instead of playing one and two years, then they're gone. And so you can't knock Penny for having NBA level talent for some of those kids who have and was blessed to be able to go from one and done. But I mean, you got to give my hats off to Penny and the job he's doing over there. He's definitely brought back that Memphis Tigers um, basketball tradition that they were at when they had John Calipari. Agreed. And I'm, I'm glad Andy got a chance to get two questions from, from Penny and Dan what Dan said. This is a bitter rivalry. Okay. Fans from both True sides. But the respect from the coaching staff on both sides is mutual. Coach Sampson and his staff, UH staff, respects the job Penny does and his staff, and vice versa. Trust me when I say that. There's a mutual respect between both programs. They both play hard. They both have solid culture and solid foundations. So I think I'd love it at some point in the future if a non-conference game between Houston and Memphis takes place you know, to continue this rivalry. But it's, it's good comp- competition, and that's what I like seeing. And obviously, I'd like to see Memphis have some success in the postseason tournament at the NCAA tournament because it's dollars and cents. If Memphis mm-hmm. goes far in the tournament, that's units for the conference. And the Cougs units, even though they're in the, in the Big 12, they'll still get those. Okay? Right. Once they start the Big 12, they'll get Big 12 units. So this is money, too. So you should want to see other teams from the conference go, go far in the tournament because of money, if nothing else. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, even last year when Memphis advanced the second round and, and they gave Gonzaga a run for their money in that game, in that second round matchup against the the, the Bulldogs. But I, I want to point out Kevin Hancock's comment just because it's really, really cool. He said, we deserve the recognition. He, he said, you make alums like himself proud that uh, the way we cover this program, which again, that's super awesome to hear and, and it really helps us out to, to keep going forward now. Segwaying on that, on the topic of Memphis, and in particular, I, this game was just interesting with the way that it was called with a lot of fouls. The reason why we had to kind of push back the, the start of Let's Rage Cougs, but I digress. That's not the important part of it. But what head coach Calvin Sampson said after the game is said if he was a referee, he would not want to officiate this a game between these two programs just because, again, going back to that culture, the style of Houston culture versus Memphis culture, it, it always seems like there's a true intensity in the air. It kind of ticks up when these two programs meet, regardless of whether it is, whether it's in Houston, whether it's going to be in Memphis uh, t- two weeks from now or in the conference tournament at a neutral site. They always get up for these games, and really it's I – don't, I don't even think I'm going out on a limb. I think this is the only true rivalry left in the American Athletic Conference right now, just where Houston Cougars basketball program is. And it's funny. One of my friends texted me that right before the game started. Is Memphis Houston's rival? You know, common rival. They are. You know, head-to-head – it's kind of bitter, but I, there is a mutual respect between the programs. But the fouls, I looked at the, the stat sheet. 13 fouls called in the first half, 26 fouls called in the second half. And, you know, a handful of those were Memphis down the stretch to kind of extend the game. But there are a lot of fouls early in the second half as well. So it was a long second half. Yeah, yeah I think that boils into um, what they plays into how both teams are so physical and athletic and they're going to play really hard. And so, I mean, for referees, it's kind of hard. Like Coach Sampson said, you wouldn't really want to ref because it's so much contact being made and not every time you make contact in basketball is a foul. And so where do you draw the line? That's when referees kind of set the tempo of the game. And so – I mean, it's a hard game to ref when you got two teams who are going to play as hard as they're going to play. They're going to be physical and they're going to apply the pressure. And so, I mean, but overall, I mean, you, you got to make your free throws like Houston did today, and, and they did that. And that's one thing uh, Elijah McCadden played very well. Yeah. But he missed five free yeah. throws <laughs> you know, for Memphis. He missed five of their seven. Mm-hmm. Hey, it happens. Absolutely not. Elijah McCadden. Guys, he he uh the Cougs fought him six times. So he had an attack mode for Memphis, but he just missed his free throws. He was seven for twelve on the foul line. So we'll see what he does in two weeks. If Kendrick Davis, assuming Kendrick plays in that matchup, you'll see Elijah McCadden's numbers and game and attempts will go down because Kendrick will have the ball in his hands more. Absolutely. Now, uh, before we kind of start to wrap things up specifically about this Houston uh, Memphis game, a few players we haven't touched on Jamal Shedd, who he had, I think it was probably the play of the game where he had, I believe in the first half, he completely froze Malcolm Dandridge heading down the lane, hit him with a crossover and Dandridge looked like he just was stuck in, in the spot. Jamal Shedd blew past him and he threw down the right-handed slam, which again, energized the Fertitta Center crowd, Fertitta Center crowd. And really got them up and just hyped up for that play. Now, he finished with 10 points in this game. He only had two assists. But, again, just the the way this game in particular turned out to be playing, it wasn't a high-assist game. And, again, another guard that we touched on in, in Terrence Arsenal, who, after missing the last Thursday's game or this past Thursday's game against SMU, got back on the floor. And, again, he did impact the game. And, in particular, the one the play that kind of stood out for everyone was when he stole the ball from DeAndre Williams, took it coast-to-coast, and finished a tough contested layup with Williams chasing him down somewhat. Terrence played – that stretch that he played was very good defense. I think possession and two later for Memphis, he played the passing lane and forced the ball to go out of bounds. I mean, he was very active defensively. So that's a good sign going forward for him and the team is that his defense is getting better. You know, his team defense, his health defense is getting better. So that's a, that's a positive going forward. And Coach Sampson is keep hitting on him having a big game because he isn't shooting the ball. I mean, fishing right now. So it's only a matter of time before those shots fall. Like his defense is rebounding. All of that has been 
up to par. Now it's about him just kind of getting out of the slump that he's been in and knock down some shots and kind of put forth his complete game because, I mean, you can see the talent is there, um, the warmth is there, the grit is there. Now it's about him just knocking down some shots like he did back in Oregon. And, you know, Coach Sampson said, I, I don't remember the exact quote, but paraphrasing him, he said basically Terrence Arsenal will be a, a – I don't know if it's a great player, good player, but he said that's a fact. So that's, that's high praise. Yeah. That's high praise from Kelvin Sampson about the future of Terrence Arsenal. So keep that in mind going forward as well. Also, yeah, Jairus. I know we haven't talked much about Jairus. I think – if he comes out this year, which I expect he will, I haven't enough, I don't have any sources on that. He'll be a lottery pick. But if he stayed a couple more years and developed in college, I think he could develop into a number one, a number two, number three overall pick. Because I mean, if when he comes out this year, if he does, he's going to be developing these next two years in the NBA. In which it depends on the situation he goes to. He may be allowed to do that on the floor, or it may be in practice or in the G, whatever his situation may be. But I think, in my opinion, if he was to stay for Houston for another year or two, he could develop even more into a number one overall pick because um, he would just have more free space to get experience doing it versus, I mean, you don't really know where his situation would be next year if he was to go to the league and how it would play out. But I think the development between him, Terrence, and Emmanuel, uh, it's all going to be good. Yep. I've seen Jairus as high as five and as low as like 14. Yeah, one one person had him behind um, UCF's Taylor Hendricks by a spot. I was like, oh, I don't know about that. But anyway, you know, lottery pick range for Jairus. I think he could use development. Another year at Houston, he's not going to do that. So you wish him well going forward in the NBA, and hopefully he go to a franchise will, will allow him to develop and not get lost in, in the, the business of NBA basketball. But he did not have a great game shot-wise, but he got he crashed the boards. Andy, Dayon. He rebounds again. Eight rebounds, two offensive rebounds. See, he crashed the boards, got two and oh, oh boards there. From standing on a perimeter. <clears throat> and again, just overall to the, the the going back to the atmosphere for Tita Center, it kind of turned out to be uh, uh, not an official homecoming game, but there were a lot of former Houston players in attendance from Quentin Grimes, Fabian White, Kyler Edwards, Galen Robinson, uh, trying to list every single Amy, one of them. That, at least that they showed. Amian Dotson was there, Landon Gosselin was there, and even Houston Rockets Hall of Famer Chris Hakeem Olajuwon was there. What what did he do in college? I don't remember what he did in, in college was, or who he played for, he, but he was he in was attendance adequate. as well. He was adequate as well in college. Yeah, he was all right. Yeah. So, and they asked Kelvin Sampson about that after the game. And again, it just goes to the quote that stood out to me when, when Kelvin was asked about that is it's a sign when, when former players show up and, and want to be around the program, it's a sign of how good the, the program is in and of itself, because, you know, players aren't going to want to go back to a, a situation, something where they didn't have a good time. It just shows the, the way Marcus has to describe it family. It's the true family that the Houston Cougars have built here in at the University of Houston when it comes to the men's basketball team. Yep, and, and I like this comment from King right here. Invited some of his friends and they really like the atmosphere. I like that. I enjoyed what uh, Michael Young said. He was at a pregame event and someone gave the coach, I don't know if it's George Duarte directly, but Michael Young mentioned that Coach Sampson has invited Michael back to the program and would like Michael to be more involved in the program again. So that's great. Coach Sampson, he, he really does a great job of connecting or reconnecting alums to the program. So kudos to Coach for doing that. Absolutely. Now, as we wind things down in regards to Houston, for those that might be trickling in again, of course, the Houston Cougars final score from the Fertitta Center here on February 19th. The Cougars defeat the Memphis Tigers 72-64. to Jawan Roberts had a 20 point, 20 points his career high and 12 rebound double-double. Marcus Sasser also had 10 points and Jamal Shedd had, or Marcus Sasser had 20 points. Jamal Shedd had 10 points. Now, kind of segueing away from this game in and of itself, something that happened this weekend, I want to get your thoughts about it, was the unofficial, official NCAA bracket preview. If the tournament started 
yesterday, Saturday, February 18th, the top 16 seeds were unveiled by the selection committee. I'm going to put it on the screen now so we can kind of go through it. But essentially, the Houston Cougars are overall picked by the selection committee. The tournament started yesterday. The Houston Cougars would be the number two overall seed in the NCAA tournament, which puts them at being a number one seed in the Midwest region. Alabama, the Alabama Crimson Tide, would be the number one overall seed had the tournament started yesterday and the other one seeds are Purdue and Kansas, but sticking in particular with Houston and their Midwest region, which is sweet 16 elite eight matchups in that region would be in Kansas city. It's an interesting group of teams. Number two seed in the Midwest would be Texas. Number three would be Tennessee and number four would be Xavier. Now, when you look at other teams, in the state of Texas, number two seed Baylor in the South region with Alabama. It's also one of those top 16 teams. Looking at the field, again, as of February 18th, if the tournament started, this would be the top 16 seeds in the NCAA tournament. Chris, down. what are your thoughts on Houston being the number two overall team overall in all of college basketball through games played February 17th and the potential Midwest region? Of course, it's not official, but would be interesting if that's what the Midwest region looks like for Houston if it stands three weeks from now. Three weeks will be the, the true selection Sunday uh, following kudos, the American Athletic Conference Championship tournament. Kudos to uh, ESPN's Joe Lenardi. He got it right. He, he pre- predicted, stated, whatever you want to call it. He had the Cougs as the second overall number one seed before the NCAA bracket reveal. Um, I was glad to see it from another sense, another bracketologist guy, he was surprised, but pleasantly surprised that the Cougs were the second overall because of they're in the American. They're not part of the Power Five yet, Big 12 and all those things. And I think I sent you the tweet. I hope I did, both of you guys, because Andy, I think you heard it. And I think Dan, we missed it in the Les French Cougs after the Cougs played St. Mary's. Coach Randy Bennett mentioned after that game how – Almost every other team, top team, turned down facing the Cougs in Fort Worth. You remember mm-hmm. that, Andy? So the bracketologist yeah, yesterday said a lot of top teams have turned down facing the Cougs because of the Cougs' play and because they're intimidating. So they don't get a lot of chances for a quad one win non-conference. So that one win in Virginia carried a lot of weight. So it's good to see. I think Chris Reynolds, the chair of the committee, mentioned Houston's win at Virginia was big and a big reason for them being second number one overall. So kudos, salute to the committee. Chris, to add on to your point, that's consistent with what I've been told in terms of the non-conference schedule and some some teams that, like you said, are avoiding or avoided playing the Houston Cougars, regardless, even at a neutral site game. And going back to what Randy Bennett said after that December outing, I believe it was December 3 when, when St. Mary's and Houston played in Fort Worth, but it was kind of like last minute and St. Mary's was the yeah. only team that would accept the invitation to play Houston again, not even at Fredita Center or even away, it was at a neutral site game. So again, when, when you think about, and Chris, I know that you, you specifically have uh, beef with how some people in the community might view when it comes to conference schedule, and in particular the Big 12 and how many quad one opportunities teams in the Big 12 have when compared to a team like Houston and Gonzaga that they're not part of Power 5 conference, quote-unquote. So much more often their quad one, quad one game opportunities are very limited, and Houston has, for the most part, done the most out of their quad one opportunities this season. Yeah, and the thing is, Dan, I'll let you add it when I say this. If top-tier teams say no or refuse to play Houston, <laughs> that's not Houston's fault, okay? But committee members, bracketologists, I don't know if they don't know that or they refuse to believe it, but, I mean, Kelvin Sampson does try to schedule tough non-conference opponents. And the team mm-hmm. says, no, I mean, I think Coach Sam said it and down in some Zoom calls as well. He had some other teams lined up for non-conference, and they backed out. Well, damn. Yep. <laughs> the Cougs play who agrees to play them. So don't penalize them so much. Well, they're not in the Big 12. They will be. Yeah, I definitely don't think Houston's ducking no smoke. Um, 
I think they they will play anyone anywhere. But uh, I think they got it right. If that's the projection, um, I think they still have an opportunity to move up to the number one overall seed. I wouldn't write them off just yet. I think Alabama will have to have a f- strong finish to the season. Will probably win the SEC and, and go do well in the SEC tournament to hold on to that number one spot. But I think Houston has a chance. I, I think if they win their conference tournament and um, Alabama doesn't win there, so at least get to the championship game, Houston could jump them and get that number one seed, I think. For Overall, me, the biggest thing when, when, when it comes to that bracket preview, and again, it's, it's a preview that a lot can change from now and three weeks from now, but – Playing in the Midwest region, and in particular, like I said, the Sweet 16 Elite Eight round in that region would be in Kansas City. Not having Kansas in your region, if things shook out the way that that, they did yesterday, would be huge for Houston. But I'm curious to get the thoughts on the teams in that region from a matchup standpoint. Tennessee, Texas, and Xavier, I think that'd be a a relatively good, favorable region when it comes to Houston matchup-wise. But I'm curious to get your guys' thoughts. Xavier doesn't strike fear. You know, if I'm the Cougs, uh, Texas will be a good matchup because I think Marcus Carr is a good guard and Jabari Smith is playing very well as a guard for the Longhorns as well. That'd be fun to see. Longhorns, Tennessee would be interesting to see. That'd be like a rematch, wouldn't it be? They played in the... Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that would be the Sweet the 16 challenge. That'd be the, uh, the regional semifinal. So that'd be interesting mm-hmm. to see. But... I just hey, it's all about matchups, health, mm-hmm. and the fact we're talking about the Cougs possibly being the number one overall seed. I just go back to it. Look how far this program has gone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think in the history, the entire history of the Houston Cougars men's basketball program, they've only been a number one seed once, and that was back in 1983, which, again, Chris, like you said, it's a sign of where the program has come, especially when before Kelvin, right before Kelvin Sampson took over a program, which, Chris, you were covering them then way back when. Did you imagine this ever to be possible? Hell no. <laughs> Hell no. I, I, I am thrilled to see how far the program has come and will continue to build upon the foundation because this year is just the start of, I think, better things going forward once again to the Big 12. Despite the competition in the Big 12, they're going to get better talent because they're being the Big 12. Think about that. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely, but that's going to do it for today's episode of Let's Rage Coups presented by the Saxonian family. Uh, as always, we'd like to thank all our partners and sponsors for today's episode of Let's Rage Coog, whether it be H-O-U-N-I-L, Star Pizza, Dan, I'll toss it over to you. Where can people find you on social media and any final message that you may have about this game? Find me on all social media, like it shows next to my name below, at Dayon Dunlap. Um, the only thing that I have to add is Houston can beat you in the plethora of ways with their defense being the leading factor. On offense, they can beat you from three. They can beat you from the free throw line. They can beat you from getting the ball in the paint. There's all the balls around their ability to guard and stop you from scoring. So I'm loving the trajectory of this team and where they're headed. I think they are real championship um, contenders. And I'm Chris Gardner, Houston Round Bar Review. See me that on Twitter, VHR Review, Houston Round Bar Review on uh, .com, Houston Round Bar Review on Instagram. And TikTok, um, I agree with Dan. The Cougs may win in different ways, and that's a sign of a good team to win games where you're not playing at your best. So today was not their A game. May not have been Memphis's B game, B plus game, but the Cougs did the things to win today, and that's what we're focusing on today. And we're back late night. Andy, Dayon, Wednesday will be a Let's Rage Cougs after 8 dark. 8 p.m. It's a home game. So, yeah. It's a Fertitta yeah. Center game. But 8 p.m. tip-off is makes it a little bit interesting. But once again, my name is Andy Giannis. You can, you can follow me on all social media platforms at Giannis underscore 5. More importantly, you can follow us on social media at PodSlamajama or check out the PodSlamajama YouTube channel on YouTube, wherever. I'm just 
put it up in the search bar that you want. If you're watching us on YouTube, put Pod Slam and Jam and hit subscribe if you haven't already. It does help us out. And we're on the road to 1,000. While we are here, uh, Let's Rage Coop Screaming Live on the Houston Mom Bar Review YouTube channel. Be sure to hit like and uh, subscribe to the Houston Mom Bar Review YouTube channel if you haven't done so already because it's the easiest way to help us out. It really helps us out a lot. And more importantly, it's free. But once again, the final score from inside the Fertitta Center, the Houston Cougars are victorious over Memphis 72-64. to We're winding down in the... Regular season portion of it, it's almost March. It's almost that exciting a time of the year. But as always, thank you to all of our partners, and thank you to all of you guys for watching and being a part of the show. As always, Dan, you get the final word. Let's rage, Cougs. <laughs>